So here's the deal. We are making much of Jesus Christ and we are gonna celebrate in this Christmas season. Ready? And all of God's people said. Hello, Summit Point Church. I am Mitch Tucker. I'm the high school pastor here. Uh, a few weeks ago, Pastor Tim, he, he texted me and he said, hey, Mitch, you know what? I think in a couple days I'm going to have, I'm going to go through some COVID, and so I want to need you to preach for me uh, on uh, December 27th. It was actually a couple days before he started to feel symptoms, but for some reason, he just, he just kind of knew. He kind of knew a couple days ahead. Um, well, we are in our, our last of our three-part Sing Out series. We've been in the Gospel of Luke um, and the, the first week we had Pastor Tim up on the screen. Uh, last week was uh, Pastor Steve McGinnis. And we we're going through some of the songs. Sometimes we call them the, the Christmas songs that, uh, that Luke has in the first couple chapters of his, his gospel. The first two weeks, the songs were about, or the, about the before Jesus was born. And today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 22. And this is, this is after the birth of Christ. And here's the last Christmas song that, that, that Luke writes. So, church, let's dig in. Here's our first of two points here today. The first point is this, wait on your king who has a plan. Wait on your king who has a plan. We're starting here in verse 22. It says this, and when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Let's just pause right, right there. Let's go back and we'll start to, to walk through. So when the time of their purification came according to the law of Moses. I spent a lot of time in the Old Testament this, this, uh, this past week. Two um, really important chapters. All right, Exodus chapter 13 and Leviticus chapter 12. If you want a little bit of light reading um, later on this evening, Exodus 13. All right, and Leviticus chapter 12. It has a lot of details, and it has all these details of the law. So where we're at now, Jesus was born. Eight days later, he was circumcised. That's the verse before that. Now we're on day 41. Day 41, Joseph and Mary, they get up. They're still in Bethlehem, and they know what's going to happen on day 41. They're, according to the law of Moses, all right, they're going to take the five-mile hike back up to Jerusalem. They're going to come into the temple, and they're going to present their firstborn son back to the Lord. Holy, that means set apart. It's given this, this beautiful gift of this, this beautiful newborn and first son back to the Lord. Say, this, thank you so much, Lord, for, for this awesome gift. He's back. He's going, he's going back to you. He's going to serve you with his life. It's an incredibly, incredibly special time. So they, they take this, this five-mile trek up um, from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. And then they get to verse 24, and it says this, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So this was, this was part of, of this special presentation back to the Lord. Um, but before we get there, let's, let's just take a little time out here. One of the things that I did this past week is I, I went back. I have four sons, and I was re remembering um, 41 days into um, my firstborn son, Mason. And what, that, uh, what, did, what did that feel like? Um, how exhausted were we? And I'll be honest, it, it was just kind of, it's kind of a blur <laughs> 13 years ago. Um, but I can look back at pictures. Um, 
The day that my, uh, my oldest son, Mason, was born, I had a full head of hair, and by day 41, I looked like this, all right? That's not the detail that we have here in the text, but Mary and Joseph, they've got to be tired, right? This is day 41. They went from zero kids to one kid, and they've got to take five miles, get up to the temple. Well, one of the things that they were supposed to do is that they were supposed to purchase a sacrifice. Now, Luke, he actually, he leaves out what was probably the, you can call it the, the first option. The first option was to actually purchase a year-old lamb along with one turtle dove or one pigeon. But Luke, he skips that, right? Because he knows that, that, that Mary and Joseph, they don't have the money for a year-old lamb, right? So he walks them past the, uh, the new car section and gets them to Budget Lane, right? Budget Row. And if you've ever spent some time in some of our bigger cities, Chicago or New York, and you've been in amongst the pigeons, one conclusion you quickly come to is there's no way that these dirty birds can cost a lot of money. They are the pennies of the sky. And so they choose either two turtle doves or two pigeons. And then after this, the, the scene shifts from the things that they're, they're doing according to the law. Because remember Matthew chapter 5, right? Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And even when he was an infant and he physically could not do all the things to fulfill the law, his earthly parents were stepping in and doing everything that was prescribed in the law of Moses. But now that the scene is, is going to shift from what they're doing, the special presentation, giving Jesus back to the Lord— and it's going to shift to a man named Simeon. Now we're in verse 25, it says this. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, to be honest, we don't have a lot of details of the life of Simeon, but there's four things just in this one verse. Four things that are going to be crucial to understand a little bit about who this man, Simeon, is and what motivates him every single day. The first one is that he's righteous. He has this reputation of his, his character, right, reflects God. He has godly, consistent character. That's how he, he walks. That's how he, he treats people. That's what he does, all right? He has this consistent, godly character. The second description is, is the word devout, right? This is the, the Greek word eulabase, right? So eulabase, he, what that means is that he clings fast. He holds fast. And what does he hold fast to? He holds fast to his God. He clings to his God. That's his hope. That's his purpose. He clings to his God. He also clings to God's promises. And this is the third thing. One of the promises is that he's going to send the Messiah. He, he, he looks and he's eager for the consolation of Israel. He's looking for the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior of nation Israel. He looks for it. He's hoping in that. And then number four, it says he was, the Holy Spirit was upon him. See, Simon has, has come to this point in his relationship with God where he has he submitted his life to, to God and his plan. And the Holy Spirit is now leading. The Holy Spirit is now guiding and directing his, his steps. And so he's righteous. He's, he's eulabase. He's devout. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. And all of this is under the umbrella, the leadership, the guidance of God himself. 
the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that he's been presented is in verse 26. It says, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so this, this beautiful um, piece of information, this prophecy that he knows, and it's not something that he just made up, right? It comes from the Holy Spirit. And we don't know exactly how this happened. We don't know if it was a, maybe in a dream, like in some of the other places, like with Mary, or something else, but, but somehow, some way, right, the Holy Spirit said, hey, Simeon, you're going to be given a beautiful gift. You are not going to taste physical death until your eyes see the Messiah. But that's all he knows. Simeon really, he only has such a very small sliver of the pie of God's timing. He doesn't know exactly the, what day it is. He doesn't really know how it's exactly going to go down. He doesn't know really exactly what to look for. But he's given just one piece of information. You're not going to die until your eyes see the Messiah. God's like that a lot, right? God has this plan. He has a plan for myself, and he has a plan for every single person in this room and online as well. And a lot of times, he doesn't... Most of the time, he doesn't reveal all of it. He gives us what he wants to give us. He gives us, gives us that little sliver, and he says, this is what I want you to go after, and that I want you to trust me for everything else. And it's really important that we have those four things in the verse right before, that we know a little bit of, of Simeon's his character. Because he's from Jerusalem, he stays around Jerusalem, he's probably not the one that, that, that goes on vacation. Why? Because he doesn't want to miss out. He doesn't want to miss out on his special moment. And so each day, he walks into the temple. And knowing that he's devout, he's righteous, he's looking for the consolation of Israel. He's led by the Holy Spirit. He's probably not, everyone say not. He's probably not walking into the temple every day thinking, all right. Probably going to be just like what it was yesterday. Odds are, Messiah is probably not going to be here. Let me just walk around the temple. Let me just make sure. Is there anything that's, that's a little bit out of the ordinary? No. It's pretty much the same thing as what it was yesterday. Oh, it's probably going to be the same thing tomorrow. Now I'm getting hungry. I want some Chick-fil-A, but it's Sunday. Great. Another disappointment. No, because we, we know a little bit about who he is. Simeon, every day, regardless of how old he is now, he's, he's probably not walking into the temple. He's probably sprinting into the temple with all the energy that he can muster, being led by the Holy Spirit. And he's walking around and he's, he's searching, is there, is there someone new here? Is there someone that maybe I've seen before, but there's something different? Is maybe, who's bringing in a child? What's going on? What's different than, than yesterday? He's excited. He's eager. His hope. So he gets this special moment to see the Messiah. So each day he comes into the temple and he's looking for this. Maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day. He reminded me of, of someone that, that, uh, um, that I knew in Iowa. I was a youth pastor in Cedar Rapids for about nine years. And I um, I grew close to one of the elders there. His name was Greg. 
He had two kids. They were both in high school. Um, so I got to know his kids in, in youth group. Um, Greg and I, we, we went, out, went out to lunch a handful of times, and we just, we just shared life for the nine years that, that we were there. And I was thinking about Greg this week because it seemed as if he found some certain moment in almost every single conversation where he would bring up his hope in actually the second coming of Christ. This is, right, Simeon, is, he's looking for the first coming of Christ, right? But now Jesus has come. Now he has died. He has risen again. He's now ascended to the right hand of the Father, but he's promised to come again. So in a very similar way, you know, Greg, we, we would be, you know, at a restaurant and we, we, we'd be going through the menu and somehow, some way, he would, just, he would just kind of insert, you know, it's a great day for Jesus to come back, isn't it? And I remember thinking, I was 24 years old when I first started there. And I remember the first, really the first couple years as I got to know Greg, I, I kind of chuckled inside, thinking, that has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about today. We're, we're ordering a pork tenderloin sandwich and some fries. But somehow you, you, you take everything of life and you bring it back to the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. As an elder, there was so many times that people would come up to him and say, hey, this is, this is going on in my life. Would you pray for me? They would come up to, to Greg and say, hey, this is, we just, want to, we just want to praise the Lord for whatever it was. And then sometimes I would listen into the conversations and again, he would bring up, oh, that is awesome. I'm, you know what? And I'm going to be praying for you. And as I'm be praying for you, I'm going, to, I'm going to continue to cling to the hope of God's promises that Jesus is going to come again. He's going to be the great and the ultimate fixer. That's going to be wonderful. You see, Greg and his relationship with God as he was led by the Holy Spirit, he took so many things of just ordinary life and he brought it back underneath the umbrella of the hope that he has in God's promises. And this is Simeon, that each day, righteous, devout, eager, looking for that consolation of Israel and being led by the Holy Spirit, everything in his life was placed underneath that umbrella. The hope clinging to was fixed upon the promises of God. So church, today, I'm going to start with, a, with asking you a question. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for in life? Let's just state it this way. Waiting is a pretty common thing. It's a pretty common thing in our relationship with God, isn't it? There are so many times when we're going to the Lord in prayer and initially, he does not give us a yes or a no, but so many times his answer is, you know what? Right now, I'm just calling you to wait, and I'm asking you to wait well, because I want you to learn that, you know what? I'm bigger than whatever the situation is that you're coming to me. I've got a plan. I know what's happening next, even though you might not know. Cling to me while you wait. Why you wait well. So what are you waiting on? Maybe it's something with your job. Maybe you're waiting with something. Maybe there's some news going on with your family today. Maybe all of us are, are waiting for when is it going to feel like normal again? What's my normal daily routine going to be? We're all waiting for something. So as 
we all think about, and really just bring this to the Lord right now because I don't want to move on until you have something specific, specific that you, you are waiting for. So just bring that to the Lord. While you're doing that, I wrote down three things. Three things that we can learn from the life of Simeon of how to wait well, right? Three things, right, to bring to the Lord in order to wait well. Number one, right, write down, write down this, ask for patience, right? Ask for patience. There is a reason that there's actually three consecutive verses that Luke says, Hey, Simeon, he's led by the Holy Spirit. He's guided by the Holy Spirit. He is, he's in step, he's in sync with the Holy Spirit. There's a reason why the Apostle Paul lists patience as one of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Why? Because patience is not something that naturally comes out of us. Patience is hard. Patience is not something that we can self-manufacture. Patience comes from God. True, lasting, biblical patience. We can talk about it here, we talk about it a lot, but we can muscle it from a certain amount of time. But you can't muscle patience. After that five, six weeks, somewhere around there, all right, it's going to be, it's going to be gone. And so we, we ask for patience knowing that we're not naturally patient people at all. It's continually Bringing that in your, your life before the Holy Spirit. So that's number one, asking for patience. Number two, we could probably write a, a lot of different words, but I settled in the word eagerness. Right? Simeon was, he was eager. Again, from what we know of him, he's probably not walking into that, that, that temple. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, odds are it's probably going to be just like what it was yesterday. With disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. But no, he was excited. It says he was, he was waiting he was eagerly expecting the consolation of Israel. You know, I was, I was reminded of, of one of my sons, um, the, um, pretty much the, the last month leading up to, to Christmas and really Christmas break from, uh, from school. And I noticed a change this year. Because most years, um, as I'm driving my, uh, my kids to school, um, his, um, his vocabulary, his demeanor would be something like this. Ugh. 30 whole days until Christmas break. There's 10 entire days of school that we have to go to. But, you know, as he's just getting a little bit more mature, mature, <laughs> mature, <laughs> and, and growing in his relationship with the Lord, his, his vocabulary started to change this year. And it, it was the same amount of time, 30 days, 10 days, but it was, oh, there's there's only 30 more days until break. Just, just 10 more days until we're done with school and then it's Christmas break. It was the same amount of time, but a completely different attitude. A completely different excitement and eagerness, anticipation of what was going to come next. All right, so number one, asking for patience. Number two, eagerness. And here's the last one. All right, submission to God's timing, not yours. Right, submission to God's timing and not yours. We already talked about Simeon, he, he received just that small little piece of the pie. He didn't have all the details, he didn't have the exact date, didn't have the exact of exactly how it was going to come, come down. But the lack of details, it forced Simeon to daily stay fixed upon his God. The lack of the details it forced Simeon to every day seek and cling to the hope and the promises 
of God. So church, what are you waiting for? Did you get that specific thing yet? Thinking about it? Well, as we continue to learn how to wait well, part of waiting well is worshiping well. And that gets us to our second and final point here today. Second point is this, worship your king as he unfolds his plan. Worship your king as he unfolds his plan. We're, we're right back into verse 27. It says, and he, that's Simeon again, came in the spirit. That's capital S. Again, that's, here it is again. Right? Simeon was, was not a man who was just doing it on his, his own strength and his own ability, his own intelligence. But he had submitted his life to the Lord. The, the Holy Spirit was guiding him. It says, and he came in the spirit into, into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, and we're about to get to the song. But before that, I'll be honest, I I read those two verses, and sometimes I read it through the lens of 2020, and I I freak out a little bit. Because what the text says is that that Simeon, he, he goes into the temple, and he automatically knows, oh, something's different today. Something's different today, and he knows, boom, as he's led by the Holy Spirit, it's today. Today's the day I've been waiting for. Today I get to see with my own eyes the Messiah, and he, he watches Joseph and Mary, and they're, they're doing all the things that are prescribed in the, according to the law of Moses, and, they, and he sees the baby Jesus, and he goes, and it seems as if he just takes the baby. <laughs> into his arms. If I'm Mary and Joseph, I'm like, all right, security, this man just took my baby. Maybe it's a little bit more common back then, perhaps for just a, an older individual just to take your baby. <laughs> we don't have those details, but he goes and he takes, and literally, put yourself in his shoes. He's holding in his arms the Savior of the world, the one who he's been waiting for. This was his moment. This was his precious gift. And he looks at this baby. And he does not say, oh, it's about time. I've been waiting for so long for this moment. He didn't say that at all. He doesn't think about the disappointment, all the things that, all the days that came before. He goes straight to praising and worshiping. God for this beautiful moment that he's been waiting for. And he, he says this song. It says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. First line, he starts out with the, uh, with the word or the name Lord. Now, it's not the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D that sometimes we highlight here, but it's actually a word that, that is actually seldom used in the scriptures. Right? It's the Greek word despotes. Despotes. Well, what, what that means is that Simeon, he views God not only as over him in authority, but he also, as master, he owns him. He has him. Which makes sense by the time you get to the end of that first line. He calls himself, he's a, he's a, he's a servant of God. He's a doulos. He's a bondservant. Remember, right, that, that second characteristic of Simeon. He's eulabase. He's devout. 
meaning he holds firmly to his God and to his relationship with his God. But Simeon also understands the only way, the only reason why he can hold on to his God is because his God is over him and his God also has him. Despotes. Lord, Master, my God is over me and he has me. He clings to me as I cling to him. Well, that's a faith that's on fire for the Lord. He goes on and says, you know, I, I can now depart in peace. I can, I can physically, I can pass away from this earth. I can have just complete rest. My eyes have seen your salvation. I've seen the great fixer, the redeemer of sins. And you've done this not hidden away. You've done this in the presence of, of, of everyone here. You haven't kept, kept this hidden. Jesus is, is not just for a few select people. Because he gets to his last line, and he says something incredibly peculiar for the time. He says, he's a, this child is a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Now remember, the third characteristic, right, of Simeon, when he, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. These are Jewish individuals. These are non-Gentiles. And what was thought at that, that time was that the Messiah was only for one nation. The Messiah was only for the nation of Israel. The Messiah was only for Jewish individuals. Simeon was looking forward to that, for the consolation of Israel. But now the last line of his song, he reveals that God's plan is so much bigger than that. He's for Jew and for Gentile, male and female, slave and free. He's going to die for the sins of the world, for Israel and Gentiles alike. And his father and mother, they marvel at what was said about him. Just listening to Simeon, listening of, of who their son is, what he's going to do, who he's going to be. And then Simeon, after he, he blesses both Joseph and Mary, then he, he shifts and just speaks to Mary for the last part of this passage. It says, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold. Miriam stops him and says, okay, I'm going to check it out. You need to get that joke. Let me say it again. It's going to be worse the second time, but I think it's just worth it. I even wrote it down, this joke. Let's try it again. At Ignite, I say a lot of jokes and they fall flat, so I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty used to that. Okay? So that was a little bit better. All right. So, whenever we see the word behold, we say, check it out. So, Simeon says, Mary, hey, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul also. So that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. He looks at Mary and says, here's the thing about your son. There's going to be no middle ground with him. People of our own nation are going to look at him. Some of them are going to reject him as king. We're going to reject him as their Lord, and they're going to fall. And there will be some, though, that will, will turn to this child and cry out that Jesus is their Lord. Submit to him as king of, of their life and savior. 
and they will rise. And there's going to be no middle ground with your son. It's either going to be faith in him or they're going to reject him. And here's the thing, Mary, you're going to see something with your own eyes that's just going to crush you. He's referring to a few decades later, she's going to be there. She's going to watch her oldest son die by being nailed to a cross. Think of a mother's heart watching her firstborn son dying on a cross. Not because he had done anything wrong, but because his death is going to serve a purpose. It's going to be through his blood that after three days later he rises from the dead. It says, many thoughts from many hearts that may be revealed. That everyone will decide whether they're going to confess Jesus as the Lord of their life or they're going to reject him. It's either faith or it's rejection. It's going to be obvious. There's no middle ground. So church, before, before you leave this room, before you leave watching on the computer or your, or your TV, who are you trusting? Are you trusting in Christ alone or are you trusting in yourself or something else? There's no middle ground with Jesus. You know, obviously I've been reflecting this past week, week and a half, upon the early years of, of parenting with, with Sarah and I, my, my wife. Um, and there'll be a lot of times uh, later on at, at night we would, we would put our, our oldest son to bed or as we um, kept on having children, we'd set him to bed and then we, we'd come downstairs and we would do what we, would, we typically perhaps would have done before we had kids and we would, we, was, we would put on a movie. And so we would put on a movie and we'd get through about the first five minutes of it and we'd look at each other with big bags underneath our eyes and we're like, there's no way we're getting through the, the rest of, of this movie. And so we, we'd click it and we're like, we're, that's it. We're going, we're going to bed. <laughs> we're exhausted. And for the first you know, few months, few even years of, of that, we saw a lot of the first five minutes of movies. And there's a lot of movies that we've never seen the middle and we've never seen the end of it as well. And I think about, about Simeon. He only had the first five minutes of this awesome and the best movie ever. And that's all he had. You know, when I was watching those five minutes of the movie, yes, I was incredibly exhausted. And yes, I just wanted to go to bed. But I was also, I was curious, what happened in the middle? The first five minutes, they were pretty intense. How did it end? What? I didn't see a lot of those movies, right, to the, the beginning and to the end. And Simeon didn't as well. He just had the first five minutes. And again, Simeon in his relationship with God, being led by the Holy Spirit, he was not disappointed in what he was not able to see. He knew that God's plan didn't stop there at this moment, 41 days after Jesus' birth. Even though most likely that's where his journey would stop. But he understood that God's plan was so much bigger. It was going to continue to go on and on. And he was not going to be able to see it. But he wasn't disappointed in all the things he didn't know. All the things he didn't participate in. But Simeon was just overjoyed. Completely satisfied. Completely fulfilled in just that one moment that he had. To look upon the Savior 
of the world. Completely satisfied and saying, this is God's plan. I know such, I'm going to see such a small part of it. And that's all I'm going to be able to see. But because my God loves me so much, I'm going to, I'm going to consider this such a beautiful gift and a blessing from the Lord. Such a small part, but it's completely fulfilling and completely satisfying. That church is a faith that is on fire. We all wait for things. We all wait for God's plan to unfold. And most of the time, he gives us just a little bit. And sometimes it's not even about his plan. Sometimes it's just about who he is. And he says, I'm not going to give you the whole entire plan. I'm not going to give you all the details. I'm not going to give you the exact specific date when this is going to start or where this is going to end. I'm not going to give you all the details of exactly how it's going to go down. I'm going to give you just a little bit. I'm going to show you who I am through my word. And I'm, I'm asking you to be completely satisfied in just a little that maybe you do know about that, the bigger plan that I have for you. So church, what are you waiting for? What is it that you thought about a few minutes ago? Is it something again with your job, maybe your family? Maybe you're waiting to ask, what does normal going, is going to look like? What is 2021 going to feel like? What's going to happen? And you're just waiting. Like the life of Simeon is a call to, to wait well. And as we wait well upon God and his plan and whatever it is and however he, he un- unveils it in his way and in his timing, we worship well. And we cling to our God. And we acknowledge that the only reason why we're able to cling to our God is because our God is over us and he clings to us. And he doesn't, he's promised to never let anything um, be taken away from what's in his grasp. So church, would you pray with me?